hello, and welcome to a, I, I'm, I shudder to say, special edition of Shot Reverse Shot Podcast. Um, Ed, has it really come to this? I'm afraid that it may have come to this. Uh, we are sat in a uh, basement <laughs> somewhere in Sheffield. In a hidden a, location. In a hidden location, um, about to do something terrible. Um, if you've seen Serbian film, <laughs> uh, then that may prepare you for the horror that awaits us because um, after a foolhardy and escalating series of dares, um, we have found ourselves on a hot summer's eve um, about to watch all four Twilight films back to back. Um, I've never seen a Twilight film. Have you, Ed? Uh, No. Um, I don't really know what they're about. I I know they're about vampires and werewolves to a degree, um, but uh, beyond that, I don't know anything about it. Uh, I know that. I know they are somewhat successful. Yes, and very popular with um, uh, tweens. Tweens, yes. And uh, I believe people who like it are called Twihards. Unfortunately. Yeah. Why haven't you seen one of these films before? I've not seen them before because, I mean, generally, I'm quite shit at keeping up with modern films, but this looks like the looks worst like, thing ever. It looks like my sort of thing, is what you're saying. Yeah. Why, why haven't I seen it? I just, I don't know. It, the first one passed me by, and by the time the second one came out, it became this phenomenon that everyone was saying was either amazing or shit. Right. So, um, I kind of, because c- it didn't really seem to concern me, I didn't bother with it, but it's become such a phenomenon, particularly because I write about, like, box office analysis columns and things like that. It's this sort of thing that you kind of have to know a little bit about. Right. So I kind of feel that this is long overdue for me to actually catch up with uh, the teen phenomenon that is the Twilight films. Right, okay. So um, this is, I think this is the first time I would have seen uh, Robert Pattinson. Is that his name? Or Patterson? Uh, Pattinson. Uh, in anything other than that Harry Potter film. Um, yeah, I think that's the first time for me as well. Yeah, because he seems to, because uh, we, we are recording this. There, this is also spurred on because of current events. Um, that uh, apparently the actress in this, whose name is Kristen Stewart, that's right, um, is in a relationship with uh, Robert Pattinson. Oh, apparently, um, and she has had uh, a um, deep dicking from her director <laughs> on a film about Snow White. Is that right? Yeah, by a man named Rupert. Uh, which R- Rupert doesn't do deep dicking. Uh, Rupert is a handholder uh, and a, probably a bedwetter. Um, but you, you know that's probably our shameless cash in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why we're doing this. So um, here's a question, Ed. What if we enjoy them? Uh, then I think we get to be on the right side of history because I think people, <laughs> if if they are genuinely good and everyone just hates them because they're for teenage girls, then eventually the tide will turn against them. Right. And we can say we were there. Okay. <laughs> we were the vanguard yeah. of a new movement of reappraising the Twihard films. We were very much the Bolsheviks of. Yeah. Uh, of this <laughs> wave of critical reassessment. Um, we have bedded in, and we are ready for this, uh, well, what is going to be an eight-hour film marathon, um, but we are um, recording and reco- recording this bit and watching the first film um, completely sober as a kind of control experiment. Um, we may need a drink by the second one. Um, we do have rum and beers. Um, we may mainline by the third one and uh, human blood might be the only thing that can satisfy us by the fourth so um, yeah without further ado is there any, any last words Ed? No I think uh, this th- this record will speak for itself Right okay this could be the start of a found footage <laughs> audio book so without further ado I'm going to press play are you ready Ed? No <laughs> We'll see you on the other side 
so Ed, that was uh, fun. Um, <laughs> we are a quarter of the way through the Twilight Saga, having just watched the first instalment, uh, imaginally titled Twilight. Yeah. Uh, how did you find that, Ed? Uh, well, I I had fun. Mainly because uh, we spent most of the film laughing. <laughs> well, yeah. I say no. We didn't spend most of the film laughing. We periodically laughed in between long stretches of boredom. It was um, a bafflingly slow, tedious, and non-eventful film. Oh, God, yeah. Um, not really much happened. Uh, I was uh, afraid it would be tedious in a kind of horrible way, and I wouldn't mm. enjoy it. But I enjoyed it very much because it was just so... Uh, po-faced um, there was a lot yeah. of scowling there was a lot of um, looking incredibly serious and saying incredibly serious things that meant nothing um, but it was <laughs> it was vampire baseball as well yeah but there was a, a game of vampire <laughs> baseball <laughs> oh that was great and um, Taylor Lautner who I expected to be uh, have a much bigger presence in this film uh, turned up looking like um, a mixture between Anthony Kiedis and Fabio <laughs> Now, I know that the film is set in Washington State and Seattle was the birthplace of grunge, yeah. but they're taking it too far, isn't it? Oh, it was amazing. That was the first massive laugh, was just him showing up. Yeah, he didn't have to say or do anything. <laughs> it was like, it was real gift for physical comedy. It was Buster Keaton-esque. He just stood there and we laughed at him. He did He did ruin it by talking. Yeah, he did. That's a shame. Um, the acting is something that really excels, isn't it? Mm. I mean, um, uh, Christian Stewart uh, acts like... Um, She's thinking really hard about something else all the time, and Arpats um, looks like he's concentrating really hard and not shitting his pants. Yeah, except for the first scene where they meet each other, where he seems to be trying to stop himself from vomiting because he's so overcome by desire. Yep. Um, there's a lot of baffling storytelling choices in that. Um, I mean, I don't really understand why the vampires have to go to school, mm-hmm. um, considering they can just do what they want. And fly, and, and none of them look young enough to be in school. Yep, uh, I don't. There was a lot of um, the narration was an interesting choice. Uh, yeah. You'd see something happen on the screen, and then um, Bella's narration would just illustrate that. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was like you, she was reading the stage directions. Just yeah. like uh, well, I thought we'd left the audio commentary on. <laughs> it, it did. It did seem like that. Like it was describe description for the death. No, for the blind. No, which one would it be? Death. Death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it was just kind of like saying, um, oh, what was the thing? He's like, that was the first night I dreamt of him. And we, yeah. yeah, we'd just seen a dream of him yeah. for the first time. <laughs> it's, uh, we, didn't, we didn't think that there was... Uh, there's not an awful lot between the lines that we're not reading, <laughs> is there, Ed? No. Um, it's, yeah, there's also some really just descriptive bits where, for example, she wakes up... Or she's on the telephone, isn't she? And then um, Edward appears by an open window and she says, how did you get in? And he says, through the window. And, uh, and then they just carry on. <laughs> yeah, lots of people repeating things that they've just been told. Yeah. They, re- they were either really worried about the audience not understanding the nuance. Yeah. Or they were really worried about running under time. Yeah, and I which mean... Which they definitely did not do. They definitely did not run under time. I don't know if they had a contractual obligation to make it near nearer to two hours as they possibly could, but they really did fulfill that contractual obligation. I think my favourite part of it was, uh, apart from vampire baseball set to music... <laughs> The um, vampire baseball thing has to be seen ev- to be believed. Every second that Taylor Lautner was on screen, <laughs> <laughs> to the extent that when he wasn't on screen, I would have just think about him and just laugh. <laughs> yeah, with his kind of Michael Bolton haircut. and uh, It was amazing. <laughs> particularly, I thought I'd just got used to it, and then at the end he shows up in like a, the prom outfit, and he looks like Tommy Weesu. <laughs> <laughs> he does look like Tommy Weesu. With the long hair oh, and the shirt. 
Oh, hi, Bella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the thing that my favourite part was um, the incredibly laborious way in which she figured out that he was a vampire. By uh, Googling it. <laughs> By Googling it. She Googles, she Googles it, right? <laughs> and um, uh, she, on her list of Google searches, we spotted that she finds a book called Slapping the Beaver, <laughs> <laughs> which is a, a little thing you might... You might want to pause it. We had to pause it, didn't we, and rewind it. Yeah, I, I kind of didn't believe you when yeah, you said that. Slapping the beaver. <laughs> um, and then she she Googles it, then Googles the location of a bookshop, then goes to the bookshop, bookshop. buys the book. Buys the book. Reads and the book. When she's reading the book, it hones in <laughs> on all the really obvious things, like cold skin, blood drinker, blood, undead, immortal. immortal. And then she confronts him in the woods. And says... As you would to a vampire. Yeah. And then she lists every single clue like she's Hercule Poirot and she's yeah. gathered everyone in the room <laughs> but unlike Poirot we've seen her gather this evidence yeah. quite the, explicitly the deductive process is less impressive when she does it and then when she finds out he's a vampire she's asking him like really curious questions as if she just found out he's like into like train spotting or something so <laughs> oh so you eat people oh do you like blood oh do you like oh, what's it like and then when he when he sparkles when he sparkles <laughs> boy oh boy I mean, those uh, two, I mean, it's all the way through. I mean, I've seen a lot of films and, you know, you think of the great pairings, Hepburn and Tracy, Bogart and Bacall, uh, Dunaway and Beatty. These two, the chemistry between them is, is non-existent. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's, it's two inert gases reacting <laughs> with each other. Yeah, it's like watching two mannequins kind of be slowly rubbed against each other by, oh, by, yeah. by impassive stagehands. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the kiss, their first kiss goes on for an inordinately long period of time where they just slowly move their heads towards each other and then constantly cutting between different angles like getting instant replay. Yeah, of, this, of the least passionate and uh, involved kiss. Yeah. I mean, I thought the, the romance in Attack of the Clones was, was kind of ham-fisted, and, but, like, you know, I cared more about those two than I do about these two arseholes. I don't know. It's about even for me. It's even, <laughs> so it? far. Um, so yeah, was there anything else of note in the first Twilight film? Um, the complete lack of werewolves. Yeah, no werewolves. Which I was very disappointed about. with. Because uh, well, I mean, that's the thing. You think it's all going to be vampires versus werewolves, and apparently that doesn't happen in this one. That's bullshit. Um, and I said to you that I thought it was really weird. It's the only time I've watched the film and thought, why isn't this more like an underworld film? <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's. It, it was also very light on action, and what action there was was, I mean, the special effects are terrible. I mean, I know this is not made for a huge amount of money by high yeah, standards, but, but I mean, still. sweet Jesus. <laughs> it just looks like they've speeded up the film and just overcranked it. <laughs> it's just like an old Benny Hill reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, you know, it's quite something. But um, I have to say I did laugh as, you know, more than I did during a lot of intentional comedies. Yeah, you will laugh more watching Twilight than Hangover Part 2. Right, okay. I'd say. That's a guarantee. Uh, I, will, I, I will definitely guarantee that. So I think um, there's a camp value to it, which, judging by the images that we're seeing from New Moon... The DVD menu is rotating in the background as yes, we press watch uh, it. of uh, Michael Sheen sporting... A, it, playing Tony Blair. Yeah, <laughs> Tony Blair sporting uh, shoulder-length hair. I think there's, gonna, there's hopefully, fingers crossed, going to be some camp value in this Yeah, because the other one was just remorselessly serious, wasn't it, and straight-faced. Yeah. There was no... Next to no humour in it whatsoever. And I'm worried about Bella's dad. He seems to drink a lot during the day. Yeah, there are all these sort of... <laughs> just these and he's little, a cop, for <laughs> Christ's sake. These little details, the fact that he's uh, 
pretty much always drinking at one point while cleaning a shotgun. <laughs> That's a health and safety violation right there. And he's only ever seen eating steak and burgers. I think he's going to die of a heart attack if yeah, he's, film. he's brown bread. Um, and uh, technically, you raised this point while we were watching the film. Isn't If Bella does bone uh, Edward, there are two issues here. Can Edward maintain an erection with no blood <laughs> pumping through his body? And would that make Bella a necrophiliac? Oh, yeah. I think that's pretty much the unspoken subtext of this film. Oh, the, the, has this film got subtext? Shit, I thought that must be a, an option we have to turn on on the menu <laughs> um, to highlight the subtext of this film. Um, so, right, we're going to push on with... Um, what's this one called? New Moon? Uh, the Twilight Saga New Moon. This is when they started It's adding, a fucking saga, all right. This is when they started adding saga to Twilight Saga to the start of all of them so that people knew... That knew it's more than just film. one. It's not a one-off. No. Because they did, it wasn't. It's not a one-hit wonder. No, it's. Uh, and can we have a, an alcohol count? Uh, we watched the first one sober, but we've stopped, had a bit of dinner, and we've had a glass of rosé. A lovely glass. Of a li- <laughs> we had we had a chickpea and a new potato stew, and a glass of rosé. This is oh, the, the most middle-class <laughs> odd film marathon you're ever likely to uh, to be involved with. So, um, okay, uh, yeah, we're gonna push on and watch uh, New Moon. And we'll see you at the end. We'll see you in two painful hours. I know what you are. See you. So, Ed, two films down, halfway house. Um, <laughs> what did you think to uh, Twilight New Moon? Uh, well, it was certainly brighter than the first one. It had a, a brighter colour palette, didn't it? Yeah, and they swapped directors. Chris Veitz directed uh, this one as opposed to... Uh, Director Catherine. of American Pie. Yep, Catherine Hardwick did the first one. Uh, no one fucks a pastry in this, unless you call. <laughs> oh no, no one gets fucked in this. It's a, no. It's a very sexless, sexless affair, <laughs> the, well, the Twilight Saga. Uh, I don't know, the, their uh, lack of shirts is sexy for some people. There is shirtless abandon in this it's, film. It's a film with an anti-shirt agenda, I feel. Yes, um, the writing improves slightly, but not... To the extent of which uh, you could excuse the line as t- <laughs> Taylor Lautner uh, uh, jumps into uh, What's-Her-Face's window and uh, his line is, I would explain, but literally, I can't. It's amazing. And then she sees him turn into a werewolf <laughs> in the next scene and then there's a whole scene that plays out and then she goes walking on the beach with him and her first line is, so, you're a werewolf. <laughs> it's... Uh, it's quite uh, kind of by the numbers. This it, it spells everything out for you in very very clear detail. Yeah, but less clear than the first, the first one, one. Uh, which isn't to say that this is any way opaque. Uh, yeah, that's uh, it. We had the, the montage which shows the passing of time, in which the camera moves around Kristen Stewart as she looks out of a window, um, and the first we see it's kind of overcast. Second one, there's uh, brown leaves. Next one, then there's snow. But to help us, because no one can understand that. No. It says October, November, December. Yeah. Just to, just to spell it out for us. To, to add also a bit of context to this, when we started watching this, the uh, sound wasn't quite working. So we got the music, but not the dialogue of the opening scene, which is a dream sequence. Mm-hmm. And um, I was genuinely quite impressed by that because I thought, oh, you know, the first one started with a ream of narration and it was, you know, a little too involved. They've gone for a bold choice in yeah, the second one. In this one, straight away, no narration. No dialogue even, they're just letting it all play out and then when it got to an actual dialogue scene. We realised the DVD was uh, on, on the fritz, Yeah. so we had to like, start it again. So we had uh, to watch that beginning again. Yeah, that time with 
quotes from Romeo and Juliet, which... Yeah, they, they really, really try and push the Romeo and Juliet thing in, in uh, New Moon. Yeah, which uh, I, it's not... I don't think you should really try and invoke Shakespeare in your um, tween vampire saga. saga. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's a lofty aspiration. Somewhat, yes. To put yourself there when you um, have a, go- a ghost Volvo... In the uh, uh, in this film, for those who haven't seen it, uh, Robin Robert Patterson, yeah. uh, R. Pats, um, is kind of like an Obi Wan Kenobi figure in this one. He turns up as a ghost to give guidance. Yeah, he just kind of leaves and then comes back at the end. Yep, he just kind of uh, pisses off. Uh, but at one point, he turns up with his ghost car. Yeah, which was... is I, uh, I think the vampires have got an endorsement deal with Volvo because they all seem to drive Volvos. Yep. And he's upgraded from a little silver one to a nice big black one in this one. Yeah, it was very nice, wasn't it? It was a nice upgrade, but uh, I, was gl- I was glad to see that Bella is still uh, driving her red Chevy truck, which may be my favourite character in the series so far. Yes, uh, I hope nothing befalls that jalopy. <laughs> I hope it remains perfectly intact. Um, one thing that hasn't been upgraded is the uh, the quality of the CGI, Ed. Oh, yeah. They've, they, the, the, one of the really terrible things in the first one is the CGI action of all of the vampires using their powers. Yeah, moving quickly. Yeah, which looks awful and, and doesn't work at all. This time round, uh, they decided more or less not to show any of that stuff. They would, like, cut away to indicate that someone had moved really fast, which worked and mm. looked okay. But what they did show is is a lot of uh, vamp- uh, werewolf transformations and the wolves looked like something that would have been rejected from walking with beasts. Yeah, oh, it was dreadful. Also, um, the, as you pointed out, a central plot point of the film is uh, the uh, characters go cliff diving. Yep. And, um, tombstoning, I believe the kids uh, call it these days. Yes, they go tombstoning. And um, it, reached a point, it reached a point where Bella does it because if she's in danger, then she Edward gets to see a ghost of Edward, yeah. And um, as, you, <laughs> as you pointed out, they don't actually have real people standing on the edge of a cliff. They badly CGI them. Well, in. They're, they're real people, but they're just shot on a on a, against a backdrop yeah. and then comped into a real cliff. And it, it wouldn't have bad. killed them to stick them on a real fucking cliff. Yeah, not have them jump off a real cliff necessarily. Yeah, but, smoke and mirrors there. But you know, but at least people. have the real people in the real environment. Yeah. Also, um, fans of Arrested Development will will be pleased to know that Taylor Lautner and his uh, werewolf cronies are never nudes because they have a seemingly inexhaustible supply of denim cut-offs hidden amongst the forest. Yeah, I think they must have a, a glen somewhere where there's just a, a mound of them yeah. that they bought on bulk. I can't see anything homoerotic about that, van, that werewolf else. clan. Well, I, I did mention that uh, it's basically Top Gun with werewolves, all of their scenes, although... Which sounds brilliant, but the reality is, is <laughs> not good. Um, it, was, it was good. You, you did call it when you said Michael Sheen would turn up to provide some camp because he really does. I mean, he if anyone's a fan of Beverly Hills Cop and will watch Stephen Burkos' performance... Um, you will see something in the uh, in the area of that kind of. That was a lot. Hello. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, how beautiful this is to see you. <laughs> uh, it's a little. It's one part Vincent Price, one part kind of uh, Frankie Howard. Yeah, I think that was the thing. He's having was, a good time anyway. Yeah, that was that. I think that was something that was really missing from the first one. No one really, other than me and you laughing at it, no one seemed to be having a, a particularly good time. Mm. Whereas in this one, uh, Michael Sheen was really clearly having a well of a time just 
cutting up and just being like uh, eating the scenery. Oh yeah, just devouring it all. Uh, a couple of logic problems with this one as there was with the first one. Um, he goes on the lamb, doesn't he, old Arpats? Uh, if you were a vampire who sparkles when they hit sunlight, where would be your first choice as a destination to lay low? Rio, did you know? Yeah, Rio would be my first choice actually. <laughs> And if you were a sinister cabal of vampires that have been existing for centuries, where would you where would you uh, have your base? Probably Genoa. Probably Genoa. That's nice and a little sunny, kind of rustic Italian village. Yeah. Somewhere. And also, if you were to do it, you would have it in a village which celebrates the expulsion of vampires once a year. So they would be the sort of people who would actually be pretty good at spotting a vampire if you're trying to remain secret yeah and at the end it's revealed that they're just killing tourists in large numbers in the 20s and uh not those the people weren't aged exclusively in their 20s but there was 20 odd of them including some sure children some kids. yeah there were some kids yeah they just murdered all those um i'm starting to get very very concerned about bella's dad's drinking problem <laughs> every single scene he's got a fucking beer on the go he's trying to get his drink on doing it he's cleaning his shotgun beer in his hand in the morning at breakfast, beer in his hand. I don't know if we're overlooking some kind of deep thing from the book that he has a chronic alcoholism, but in the film, he's, he's loaded all the time. Plus, as I think we've noted, this probably isn't in the book, um, there's a kind of horrible undercurrent of sexual abuse because she's having some nightmares and he's always coming into her room in the middle of the night fully dressed. Yeah, stroking her face. Stroking her face. And they always cut away before he gets the monster out. Yeah, it's a... It's. It, I don't think it is inherent in the script, but is there's something weird in that performance from Billy Burke? Billy Burke, the uh, pound shop Billy Bob Thornton, <laughs> um, or if we, they couldn't get Bill Paxton <laughs> so to play him. to play a kind of salt of the earth mustachioed police chief, so they got him in. The best thing about his drinking was this, uh, the final time that he comes into her room at about <laughs> at about two in the morning, <laughs> fully dressed. He. Uh, his hands are out of shot for most of it. And, me and, and we were like, beer, beer, beer. <laughs> and he had a fucking beer on. Yeah, suddenly the, the top part of a can of beer appeared in the top, in the bottom part of the screen. It's like, yes. Now, I'll be interested to see if by uh, Breaking Dawn he's in recovery or, you know, even in the 12-step program. Oh, he's going to be dead. He's going he's 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 to be brown I, bread. I think he's going to die in some sort of horrible drink-driving related accident. <laughs> that would be dark. Um, but yeah, we're going to press on now with, uh, what's this one called? Eclipse. Eclipse. Um, which I hope will be better than the other two. I'm enjoying them all as comedies. Yeah. If they are comedies, then they are a work of master, and I, and I a do, masterstroke of genius. I, I do think there was a note, I, I'd say that New Moon is a better film than Twilight, although I did enjoy it less. It's still half an hour too long. Oh God, yeah. yeah. There's it's an awful lot of fat hours. in this script. Yeah. But it, there was less pointless repetition of mm. things we've just learnt. Yeah. There was less narration, uh, which... Uh, same amount of Radiohead. Yeah, same amount of... Well, same, same amount of Radiohead. Um, and there was some action in it. You know, fairly early on, there was a vampire fight. Yeah. Um, the worst the worst birthday party ever. Yeah. Starts off dead and airless and people ruining the presents you've got. Ends with you being thrown into a table by your boyfriend. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's just a weekend out in Liverpool. But. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, we've got uh, we're moving through the beers now. We'll be on the run by the next film, I'd imagine. Um, yep. But we're going to press on now because it's, it's getting late. <laughs> we're going to be here until the very early hours of the morning doing this. <laughs> um, right, okay. On we go with Eclipse. So, Ed, 
That was depressing. It was. Uh, it was weird in a way because, on the one hand, I think of the the three Twilight films, it's probably the best made. Mm-hmm. The effects are good. David Slade directed this one again. They they traded out. Uh, he's a pretty solid director. He puts everything together in a nice enough way. But the film itself was interminable. I know it was. Um it was just completely without any kind of dramatic tension. Yeah. Um, we we really couldn't even find that much to be mean about it because it was so just uninteresting in every single way. Yeah. There was nothing like, I mean, there was no tension. There no. was a completely tension-free affair. Yeah, because for people who are remotely interested in the plot, in this one, um, uh, there's a group of there's a clandestine uh, group creating new vampires who are going to overwhelm the cullens and mm-hmm. kill or you know take away bella because she's so fucking special for some reason for some reason we can't fathom yep um and uh they create this army but they spend the entire an army film, of about 20 people yeah they spend the entire film creating them mm-hmm. um not really making incursions, not, you know, making attacks on Bella's life to create tension or drama, just making them, uh, building up to a uh, final fight, which we, uh, in fairness, didn't manage to see because the disc skipped. Yeah, the disc broke, and um, the only bit of real action in the entire film we, we missed. We had to sit through boring dialogue, boring exposition, boring training montage, boring them not fucking... Boring time in a tent. Time in a tent. Yes, time in a tent. Uh, yeah, bizarre weather changes. Uh, yeah, that was really weird. It went from being what looked like the height of summer mm-hmm. to dead of winter. And yeah. I know, I know, Washington State is not meant to have the best weather, but yeah, um, we are still day. we are still finding amusement in Taylor Lautner just walking <laughs> into every scene with no shirt on. <laughs> Um, as ever, no one making a comment. His, I think Edward does say, "Does this man not have a shirt?" Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's that was the closest thing. There was a joke to a joke in the whole film. Yeah. Oh no. Well, in the tent, he said, "I am hotter than you." That's oh, yeah, that's true. There's there's two jokes, both of which revolve around Taylor Lautner not having a shirt on. Yeah. Um, fans of the Twilight series um, do put themselves in either Team Edward or Team Jacob. But I don't give a shit about any of them. <laughs> I couldn't care less. I really wish that um, all of the three main characters died of Berry Berry or something, or just some horrible disease, because, you know, Bella is the least interesting female protagonist I can think of. Um, like, the mannequin in Mannequin is more interesting than her. Mm. Um, and as suitors, basically, you've got Robert Pattinson, who is he's kind of like just so vacuous and on the other side you've got Taylor Lautner who's almost like they've just drawn a face on a canned ham <laughs> it's it's not really much of a love triangle is it no it isn't at all really and, and then you've got the kind of unacknowledged fourth corner of the triangle her um, dad no not oh. her dad that like simpering asshole who's always after her at school the one who's like of a group of friends whose name I don't even know but the one who like takes her to face punch in the second one. <laughs> I hope we didn't see him much in the third one, did we? He was kind of there no. for a little bit. I hope he's dead. Yeah. Uh, all of those friends can die a death. Yeah. Face punch was amazing. That was the thing that was really missing this time. Yeah, right? <laughs> we, did, if, if we didn't mention it, did we? But they, they go and see a film called Face Punch. Um, 
um, <laughs> which sounds like the best film of all time. And I, w- I would kill to see Face Punch over having to watch another part of this yeah. stagnant uh, saga. Especially because apparently it was so violent that the simpering arsehole like, runs out of the screen, <laughs> the cinema. screen to vomit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like there was no, there wasn't that. There wasn't you know, vampire baseball. There wasn't there wasn't uh, Lawton's hair, which no. is now well and truly gone. Although um, his nipples do kind of follow you around the room. Yeah, definitely. They fulfil the niche. Yeah, this but is yeah. Gra- this is a great nipple movie. Yeah. Oh, huge amount of nipples. But all male. That is. Do you think problem. there's an undercurrent that that um, Jacob wants to fuck? What's his name, Edward? Um. If there isn't, I'm sure that the fandom have explored it. Oh, you think it's a slash fic? Absolutely. Yeah, I can imagine so. Right, so we're just going to plough on regardless. And um, the, the DVD menu of this one is not really None filling, me, filling me with joy. There's there's wedding dresses and all sorts. Um, the, the film, uh, the last film left us with them with a wedding date and <laughs> uh, a date for her to be turned into August a vampire. 13th. August 13th, which is... That's like in two days' time in yeah. real life. Yeah, which is weird. That's really weird. <laughs> Maybe we should put this up on August the 13th, the 13th. to yeah. coincide with the year anniversary <laughs> of them being married. Yeah, imagine that. Have I got time to turn around? Yes, I'll try and do that. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're just going to plough on, um, and we've got the rum yeah, now. Yeah. We've hit the, the hard spirits, because la- I mean, we need something to pick us up, because that last one's a fucking grind. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping... I mean, this one's by Bill Condon, who's even more of a competent filmmaker than David Yeah, he's, and he's actually, like, unlike David Say, he's actually made some good films, mm. like uh, Gods, and, uh, Gods Monsters. and Monsters, which is a great film. Um, which has got me worried, because the better the filmmakers are, the worse the films end up being. Yeah. Which is weird, but entirely true. Yeah. Right, let's uh, plough on and see what the uh, penultimate part of this uh, saga holds for us. Well, it's over, Ed. That's uh, emotional. Yeah. It's uh, currently, what time is it? Uh, 25 minutes to three in the morning. <laughs> and uh, we have just finished, uh, as you may hear in the background, um, Twilight Breaking Dawn Part, part one. 1. Uh I can't fucking wait for Part 2. If that was what Part 1 tempted us with. In fact, you could probably end... The whole thing there. Yeah, I, I, that does seem like a pretty natural ending for the series, really. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Oh, there's as, a post credit sequence. As the credits are rolling, there's a post credit sequence. Hang on, let's see what happens here. It's someone, I don't know who that is. No, I don't either. No, we'll describe it to you. It's a girl walking through. Oh, isn't she oh, the human secretary for the The Volcari? human secretary. Well, they've changed offices. <laughs> it's less marble, more stone. Yeah. She's now presenting. Michael Sheen. Mike, Brian Clough. Way too absent for the last two films. Oh, what's happening here? He's reading an invitation. Oh, they've learnt of the birth. Yes. Or whatever. Yeah. This is really camp. (laughs) In a great way. It is. This is is podcast gold. You can't see this, but it's amazing. I really hope that... The fifth film, fifth, fifth and final, is largely Michael Sheen based, because he really is the only part of the film, of the entire series, that 
is fun intentionally. Yeah. I I, mean, he could have his own <laughs> spin-off. I mean, like, me and you, we've had some fun watching these films. Mainly it's an interesting definition two. of the word fun. Well, you know, we've had fun making fun. Oh, here comes Samuel Jackson. No, he doesn't. That joke's so old. <laughs> and out of date. Um, yeah, go on. Well, you know, we've had fun making fun of these films and uh, from their, the more baffling elements of them. Mm-hmm. But So we've had fun from just like making fun of them. But Michael Sheen, I think you would genuinely agree he's actually enjoyable. Yeah, he seems to be the only person operating on the level of of uh, camp tongue-in-cheekness. Yeah, whereas everyone else is so po-faced. Yeah, very po-faced, very serious, very frowny. Well, there was an actor in that called Boo Boo Stewart. Yeah, they can't have been too frowny. I mean, yeah. I don't know who they played. No, I don't know they were. But uh, yeah, it was... Um, it was a step up from Eclipse. From Eclipse, which was terrible. Uh, the the most of Breaking Dawn revolved around... Um, well, the first half was like a was like a romantic drama. Yeah. A wedding. A kind of... Uh, a wedding in which no one questioned uh, that half the... Was it bride or groom? And the groom side were all kind of pallid-faced... <laughs> It's Washington, kind of, it's Washington State, I think, yeah. that's allowed. That kind of shit flies down there. That's and how then, they operate. And then it was all about the build-up to... Um, to the sexy times. Yeah, it was very much uh, like Ian McEwan's on Chesil Beach in that regard. Right, okay. In, in some regards. <laughs> in some regards. That literary illusion has gone over my head, I have to say. <laughs> it's too early for literary illusions. Oh Yeah, it is too early. Um, um, so they had the sex... Uh, which was um, which they didn't think that her body would handle, and um, they handled it fine. They handled it. She was a bit bruised, and they broke the bed. Mm. And um, how sexy was it on a scale of one to thirteen? Uh, two. It was like a two, wasn't it? There was yeah. a little bit of side boob we saw, That's about it. Um, and some racy outfits. And we but were, we were we were keeping an eye out. We were, oh, we we did rewind it, <laughs> pause it, stop frame for boob, but we saw no boob, just side boob. Um and uh yeah so then she got pregnant immediately yeah and the the dramatic tension of the the last second to last film or penultimate film if you will was um this kind of rosemary's baby situation we had going on um and it the baby was killing her because it was like a demon or something yeah and their only way to kind of keep her healthy was to give her like blood but in a cup like a milkshake like <laughs> you get from McDonald's. Um, and she seemed to like that bit, but then you missed this bit because you were asleep for about ten minutes. Yeah, I, I dozed off. Um, I don't blame you. You did well to stay awake for this whole time. Um, uh, the wolves wanted to eat the baby, mm-hmm. and then the, the the baby was born. Stillborn? No, she is it? No, she died in childbirth. Yeah, she died in childbirth after they, after Edward kind of tore her stomach open with his with teeth. With his teeth, yeah. And then they had the baby. And then the baby did that something... Whole, that whole sequence was mental. Yeah. Then the baby imprinted on Jacob the Wolfman. Yeah, which has been established as a very important Yeah, they thing. keep saying it. They kept saying it over and over, and it had no dramatic importance, but they yeah. thought that if they kept saying it, it will some, uh, somehow it come in handy yeah. as, a, as a plot device. And it did. Um, and the baby is now imprinted on Jacob, which means it can't be harmed... By the wolves. By the wolves. But maybe by the uh, by Michael Sheen, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, 
Um, so when's the next part of this out? Because I can't fucking wait. November. November. Oh, fucking really? November? I think so. Oh, dude. It's an end of year jobby. Oh, God. Well, for award season, no doubt. <laughs> Obviously. I mean, in terms of the first two films, even though it's the same writer and everything, it's it improved dramatically. Mm. Uh, well, it didn't improve dramatically. <laughs> it improved. <laughs> <laughs> it improved uh, noticeably. noticeably. Um, uh, in in the sense that the dialogue wasn't so cringeworthy, although there was a stag do. There was a uh, a vampire stag do, which we didn't really get to see. I mean, we got a sense that it involved murdering animals yeah <laughs> and i think vampire stag do is a brilliant name for a film yeah I'd high like concept um um but yeah it w- i mean the last the first two films laughably bad um third uh, film just boring the, yeah third film boring fourth film just weird yeah weird and not in a good way yeah but what have we learned from this experience ed have we learned anything i don't know if we've learned anything i mean what what do you think why do you think these films are popular well, the the three principles, well, the two male principles, I imagine, are quite appealing to mm. uh, um, teenage girls. Um, I've not read the books, I haven't either. but I imagine that in a book form, you know, it deals with a lot. Of, I imagine that they play up the kind of raciness and that sexiness right. a bit more. Must do. <laughs> Why would anyone read that shit? Yeah. Um, and other than that, I, I can't say uh, people are stupid. That's really the only other thing I can think of. Mm. Do you do you think there's a, an argument? This is certain, certainly true of the book. I think it's true of the film. People say that the, the key to it is the fact that Bella is a very bland character, and it's very easy for female audience members to essentially um, imprint imprint on, themselves onto her. No, but you know they can. They can empathise with her because there is so little going on. She's, she is a shower curtain with a face drawn on. You can't, you can't really help but kind of put yourself on there. There's nothing really going on underneath the surface. No, there's really not. Um, I'm not. Yeah, and I think that that's it's a little bit like pop music, isn't it? With the uh, the with the, the kids, prin- the principal uh, uh, consumers being teenage girls. I think that's that's who's going to see this and going to see it over and over again. What do you think to uh, critics who defend them? Because there are a few, not many, but there's a mental few. Is <laughs> They're what all I'd mental. Say. Um, I, well, I, I imagine they're mainstream critics who are defending the film. Uh, yeah, I don't want to speculate as to why they're defending the film. I mean, there's certainly, as films, as cultural artifacts on their own. I mean, especially the first two are so clumsy and awkward and mm. poorly put together and badly written. Yeah. There's not really much to recommend. There's not even good but, action to save it. Well, that's kind of that's kind of their charm for me. Like, I don't think I've neither of them are good, mm. but I preferred their kind of weird, baffling clumsiness mm. to Eclipse's boring uh, professionalism. Mm-hmm. Because essentially, because once they start, and and it's less it's less evident in Breaking Dawn Part One, mm. but once they start getting people who actually know how to like make films, yeah, like well, in, uh, it just they just they just nosedive in quality, um, it, it, which is a very relative term, mm. um, but you know they become way less enjoyable because part of the fun of the first two is just kind of trying to get your head around them really yeah 
Yeah. Because they kind of, they, they kind of feel like student films. The first one especially. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I mean that that is their only real appeal. Appeal for is you. as as is as kind of uh, Schadenfreude uh, from people like us who can sit around and joke about it. That was uh, that was certainly a large part of what happened. Yeah. I mean the second two. Got oh, I was just seeing at the end of the credit they actually did film that stuff in Rio. Oh, very nice. Wow. Yeah, there's a large section of the film that takes place in Rio. Yeah. To, to, no, there's a carnival reason. type atmosphere. Yeah. It's very stereotypical, Rio. There's no real street crime. No. Um, overwhelming drug problems and uh, grinding poverty. No, none of that. Yeah, they kind of missed that bit out. Um, and that's the best part of Rio. Yeah. <laughs> As we'll see in the next Olympics. <laughs> uh, with the 100 uh, metre dash with the favelas. <laughs> Survive if you can. Um I'm basing all this on City of God. Yeah, that's my main. No real socio-economic study that I've done. Well, my, mine's also based on the Elite Squad films, so that's, oh, okay. it's, it's a fuller fuller image of it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. It's kind of the same as your version, though. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I, yeah, it's it's hard to... Um, I, that, oh, yeah, just on the DVD menu, there was three girls who turned up at the wedding who were from a kind of extended family, mm. and one of them had a problem with a werewolf. And it was never mentioned again. Yeah. Maybe that'll come in in part two. Or maybe it's just a really weird substrand that they've not bothered Yeah, with. just uh, dropped it. Um, we did finally get um, Bella's dad admitting to his alcoholism. Finally. At the wedding, he said, I want to get drunk. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. Uh, and but just kind of shambled around. <laughs> the, the world's most ineffective police officer. <laughs> Yeah, he did do seem to be doing. He did seem to be on the verge of detecting things at mm. one point. Well, in the third film, his detective work seemed to be staring intently at a missing persons poster. <laughs> That's all he was doing, which looking at it. Hopefully, the 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 solution to the crime would present itself <laughs> uh, out of that just intense staring. Um, so, we, uh, yeah, we haven't really learned a great deal other than no. whether we're massively disconnected from a teenage audience. Uh, for me. The whole story of someone who wants to be included in a vampire family, but they're not a vampire. Um, that whole thing has been done in the film Near Dark, mm. um, which I think is only about 95 minutes long. Yeah. And is 100 times better than any any single element. It's one of the best vampire films ever made. Absolutely. Um, and it's about 100 times better. It's got no werewolves in it, but everything that you'd want from Breaking Dawn, Twilight, the whole shebang, saga... Uh, you can find in those 95 minutes. Absolutely. Um, and if you want a more highbrow look at vampirism, I'd recommend Abel Ferrara's The Addiction. And when I say highbrow, I mean pretentious. <laughs> it's black and white. It's very pretentious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, about vamp- Can you think of any films that you'd recommend to people in front of watching this? Uh, let the Right One In. That's the one, that good one, that Swedish one. 2008 film. Yeah. Uh, if people want something of a similar vein, I think I can't... I can't <laughs> a vein. I would... Uh, <laughs> Recommend uh, HBO's True Blood, right? Which is the fun Twilight is kind of how I think of it. Uh, it's it's longer because it's thirteen episodes of roughly an hour each. Mm-hmm. So and it's on the fourth or fifth season. I mean, this now. was this was eight hours of our yeah. lives that we're never going to get back. But uh, are we, we going to? Wa- are you going to watch the last part of the cinema? I think you're going to have to. Probably, I feel I have to now. Yeah, but for the sake of completism. True, True Blood has all of the disparate elements of Twilight, but in a pulpy, fun, 
Smutty, smutty. Yeah, that was, I was trying to think of exactly the right word. Smutty is definitely the right word for mm. True Blood. Um, I think that one accomplishes absolutely everything that these films set out to do, but does it in a way which is actually quite entertaining. Mm, yeah. Which uh, these films very infrequently are. So there you go. That's the official verdict uh, on Twilight and you sh- what films you should watch instead. Um, we've done this so you don't have to. Um, it was a chore, but I had fun for no, I had four fun. hours of yeah. the eight. Yeah, yeah. Well, more fun than I had in the in the in, on the, the back nine was difficult, as golfers yeah. would say. <laughs> um, so yeah, thanks very much for listening to this somewhat idiotic human experiment. <laughs> Um, and uh, we'll be back with something a little bit more well considered considered (laughs) next time alright cheers bye bye